Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Some have been wondering if the principal of the defunct crypto exchange platform FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, would be facing charges over the unprecedented demise of his company. And it appears to be heading that way for the 30-year-old who was just arrested and charged by the SEC. To discuss, we're happy to have on member of the House Financial Services Committee, Congressman Barry Laudermilk. Congressman Barry Laudermilk, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure to be with you. Congressman, Sam Bankman-Fried has been uh, doing the rounds, giving his version of events on various platforms. You sit on the House Financial Services Committee. Uh, today, he was supposed to testify in front of Congress under oath, but has obviously been arrested. Uh, was this the right move? Well, we're going to see. I mean, the timing of this is uh, incredible. I mean, it, you can't help but be a little suspicious that within hours of him making his first full sworn testimony to Congress that, you know, he was arrested. So um, I think we do need to look into that. But, you know, not not to get deterred from the, the primary issue, but we are very disappointed that he is not able to be here. I'm sure he's lawyered up even more so. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions that I think was imperative that Congress ask before any formal indictment would come down. But, they, you know, we are where we are right now. Speaking of those unanswered questions, if you could, um, you know, tell us what what sorts of questions would you have liked to have asked? Well, one is to get more clarification of what really happened and what transpired. Now, we are questioning uh, Mr. Ray, the current CEO, who is leading them through the Chapter 11 uh, filings, and he's currently in committee. I'll be going in to ask him some questions here shortly. Uh, but some of the questions I would have liked to have asked uh, Mr. Freed is he, com he continually claims that uh, several portions of the FTX platform, the many entities that were part of FTX, whether at FTX International, FTX US, Alameda, and the others, he claims that some of those are solvent. And I, I would really like to know, uh, you know, how does he make the statement they're solvent? I will be asking Mr. Ray these questions. Is FTX US really solvent? Or is that just semantics that uh, Mr. Freed was using? And how, how commingled were the funds between all of these different entities? And so uh, another question I would have is, you know, why was Mr. Freed here in in Washington, D.C., he was lobbying for a crypto regulatory bill that obviously, as we see now, there is no way that FTX could have been in compliance of the very regulation that he was trying to see passed. So that brings to question, why is he lobbying so hard for a bill that he could not comply with was was it to helpfully uh, you know hopefully me bring them into some level of compliance or was it something that he would use to actually go after his competitors speaking of regulation do you think that this whole situation will bring more regulation in the crypto space and do you find it necessary well, that's part of what this hearing needs to uncover. We need to get to the facts. Um, the, you know, I was uh, on another broadcast earlier today, and the suggestion was made that it's you know that that the government did not have enough regulation here. But the reality is, there were laws on the book other that he violated. Otherwise, he wouldn't be under indictment and under arrest right now. 
we don't need to rush to overregulate. That's something that government tends to do. We need to take a step back. We need to look at what happened. And we also need to ask the question of the existing regulatory agencies, the one that does have oversight and authority over this, over FTX, since FTX was an exchange, is the Securities Exchange Commission. Where were they on this? Were they asleep at the wheel? Or were they too focused on their ESG and their woke uh, policies that they're trying to implement on several companies? Are they too focused on that instead of actually doing the regulatory job that they should be doing? your point, more and more Americans are losing faith in a lot of these government institutions based on polling. Um, is there any significance of the charges being brought against Freed uh, by the SEC rather than the DOJ? Well, we're just starting to get the uh, the charges that are laid out. Since we've been in committee, I was told that uh, the the charges were made public. I haven't had a chance to read over those, but there's been reference that the SEC is actually uh, going to uh, bring some of the charges as well. And so I'll need a chance to really dig into it and see what specifically those charges are and what interaction has the SEC had with FTX prior to their failure? That's something else I think that we need to investigate. Had the SEC looked into them at all? Had there been any meetings between uh, Mr. Freed and the SEC or the SEC chairman? These are some of the things that we need to look into before we just rush to regulate. Congressman Barry Laudermilk, thank you so much. All right, thank you and companies are gradually shifting away from manufacturing goods in mainland China due to quality control and intellectual property theft. Now it appears the trend may be accelerating. Apple, the latest major U.S. corporation to move a large part of its manufacturing out of the communist-controlled country. We spoke to author and economist Milton Ezradi. Milton Ezradi, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Milton, we're starting to see and hear of more and more companies pulling their manufacturing uh, out of China, most recently and notably, I guess you could say, would be Apple. What do you think are the factors behind this phenomenon? Well, I think there are two things going on. One is there is some political pressure from Washington, which has taken a much more hostile stance toward uh, all connections with China. But I think more important for Apple and for the other manufacturers is the supply chain issues. And it's not its not so much that um, uh, China is doing anything wrong, but there were troubles with the supply chain, the COVID lockdowns interrupted supplies. And so the natural tendency is to diversify your supply chains and people are moving elsewhere in Asia and even into Latin America uh, and bringing some of the manufacturing home as well. Um, mostly to just secure um, uh, supplies. It's purely commercial. There is a lot of pressure, political pressure. Companies like Apple are most susceptible to that. Others, much smaller manufacturers who are facing no political pressure are doing this as well for supply chain issues. And what does this mean for you and I and say the next person in line? Um, will things become more expensive? And if so, is that a tax that we should all be willing to pay? Um, well, things will become more expensive to an extent, but actually China had ceased to be the low-cost producer 
quite some time ago. Uh, people had established there because uh, there was low costs. Um, but uh, wages in China are rising much faster than in the United States or most anywhere else in the world. And so China had ceased to be the low-cost producer. So movement to places like Vietnam or Indonesia, once it's established, uh, will probably actually reduce costs for a lot of these manufacturers compared with what they would have had to face in China. Now, I'd like to ask you about an article you recently penned for Forbes. Uh, a lot of U.S. pensions are vested in China's economy. There was a crash of a huge Chinese real estate developer, I believe it's called Evergrande, that you wrote about. Um, did this expose many Americans? And in you know, your opinion, was this an eye-opener, or are you still bullish in the, in the Chinese market? Um, well, I think um, the... Uh I don't think there were very many Americans uh, affected by the Evergrande because it mostly constrained uh, financial liquidity within China. And most of the Americans who are setting up there are not counting on Chinese finance for their finances. So it was not uh, a big immediate problem. Uh, they uh, obviously any kind of interruption in uh, in financial flows, and there has been quite a bit since Evergrande declared that it couldn't meet its obligations over a year ago now, um, uh, is something for the Americans to worry about. But I don't think there was a direct impact. Uh, China, uh, Beijing, which had ignored the problem or largely ignored the problem for quite a while, has finally come out with a rescue plan. I think it's 16 ways to reliquify the um, uh, real estate developers. That may help relieve it, but mostly for people who count on Chinese finance. And that's not really an issue for the Americans in China. And what is your general outlook for the U.S. economy moving forward in the first quarter of 2023? I think the U.S. economy is in for a, um, a correction. Um, you know, there was some talk earlier in the year when we had two quarters of negative GNP. Were we in a recession or not? Of course, the White House played technical games. Um, the, the important thing was not whether we were in a recession or not. It's that the economy was slowing, and it has continued to slow. And I think we, if we're not in a recession in the first half of 2023, we're going to be in such a slow economy, and we might as well be. A lot of people have pointed to the fact that hiring remains robust, and it does. But hiring is a lagging indicator. I suspect there will be a correction there as well in the early part of the year. Now, maybe by the latter part of the year, in fact, I think it's likely by the latter part of the year, the recovery will probably start to gather force. But for now, looking at the first half of the year, it looks like weakness and, and a recession. Milton Azradi, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.